Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 176. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and this week we're going to talk about the, uh, <laughs> I guess, the crash in bonds. That's not the right way to say it, but I, w- I would say historic declines in bonds. And I'm also going to talk about target date funds. And I spent a lot of time when I wrote my book, Broken Pie Chart, available on Amazon. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, actually, it's, I don't know why I said just Amazon. It's, it's available everywhere, but Amazon's a, a just as good a place as any to get it. And I wrote about this. Uh, my book came out in 2018. And I one of the titles of my chapters, chapter two, was Bond's past performance can't possibly, or Bond's future performance can't possibly equal past performance. And I kind of get into why that's the case, given where we are in the interest rate cycle and some other things. And then the next chapter I did was called Target Date Surprise. And really, I wrote it in the lens really, you know, twofold. Part of it was what happened in 2008, 2009, they actually had hearings uh, in the U.S. Senate on it, talked about more disclosures, the variation in, in different, uh, you know, the striations and in returns. And so I, I think it's time to revisit that and really ask the question, are target dates more risky than you think? Are they still good? What are they? What do they do? And so, by the way, before we get started, uh, I do enjoy getting emails from people, uh, Derek, D-E-R-E-K dot Moore, M-O-O-R-E, at Zega Financial, that's Z is in Zebra, E is in Eddie, G is in George, A is in Apple, financials up to you to spell correctly, dot com. Go ahead and send me emails. Uh, a lot of times, these episodes are born out of different questions or suggestions I get from the listeners. So we like emails, send those to us. And again, I'll put a link in the, uh, the show notes uh, to the book Broken Pie Chart, which, by the way, is why the podcast is named Broken Pie Chart. So JP Morgan, uh, they came out with their quarterly chart pack. I'll try and put a link to that in the show notes as well. And in there, uh, they, they've done this for equities, meaning the S&P 500. I haven't seen them do this for the U.S. Aggregate Bond Index uh, or the AGG is the ETF that sort of corresponds to that. But this is the uh, Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Annual Returns and Intra-Year Declines. And I've only seen this on the S&P. And what they do is they show you in red, hey, what's the most the U.S. Aggregate Bond Index was down, you know, intra-year, and then it would have wind up closing at. And at the close of the quarter, the AGG was down at one point around 13%. And I think this is total return. I believe it is total return, so includes dividends, uh, if I'm reading the uh, the notes right here. And so far right now, you know, it's still down around 10%. That is, you know, this chart I'm looking at, you can't see it, but I'll just describe it for you. Going back to 1976, this is the largest intra-year decline. And if the market ended the year here, it would also be the, the largest decline. I mean, I'm, I'm looking, just to give you a, a flavor of how rare it is for this thing to be down, it was down 3% in the mid-90s. It was down late 90s, minus 1%. 
Uh, my guess is 2014. I can't see it exactly. Minus 2%. Last year it was down about 2%. It's pretty rare. Uh, in fact, 19, this is probably 1980-ish. It was down minus 9% at one point intra-year, and then it closed plus 3%. The probabilities, and uh, maybe I'll do these, I'll, I'll run the probability of, you know, based upon these returns. What's the probability of this thing being down that much? Um, I almost am certain it will be multi-standard deviations, kind of rare. But I wrote about this in my book, Broken Pie Chart, Chapter 2. And one of the scenarios I, I kind of went through and outlined was a lot of people point to late 1970s when interest rates were going up, inflation was going up, and interest rates went up a lot, inflation went up a lot. And you kind of look and the returns are positive. I mean, there's plus three, one, two, three, all pluses in there. And then, you know, 1982, Plus 33%. Plus 33%. That's like an, a massive equity type return. And part of the reason why you started to see this for as interest rates crested and started to come down from 82 forward, I mean, you had plus 33%, plus 8%, plus 15, plus 22, plus 15. And, you know, I, I'm not going to read all these off. And then you look at recently you had, you know, going this year, minus 10, if it closed, if the year closed right now, where it'd be, be right around minus 10. And you have minus two last year, plus eight, plus nine, zero, plus four, plus three, plus one. So one of the things that we understand is over the long term, a bond's total return is more driven by how much interest the bond pays, what its coupon payments are. A bond's market value will go up or down depending upon the changes in interest rates. Interest rates go down, bond prices go up. So the thing with the late 70s, and I, I've talked about this before, you had such high coupons that even though, you know, if, if the coupons were, if the interest rates were really low like they are today or like they were, you know, coming into this year, you would have seen minus 15, 16% downturns in something like the U.S. aggregate bond uh, index. But you didn't. And the reason is because all that interest offset it. So I, I kind of review this because, um, and by the way, you know, I think I mentioned, what a great Labor Day gift this would be. You show up at a barbecue on Labor Day and you come with broken pie chart book available on Amazon. Go ahead and buy that. And buy a couple copies. Give it to your, uh, your friends on, uh, on Labor Day and say, hey, look, Look at chapter two and chapter three and everything that's happening right now is laid out there. By the way, it's also a good indication too. I didn't really pick a date when I thought this would happen. I said at some point, all this, you know, quantitative easing, some of the, uh, you know, the quote unquote money printing, some of the debt levels. I said, well, you know, if we get a year, given where interest rates are right now, that's really low. And then we have any type of inflation and a, and a rise, material rise in rates. What you're seeing in bonds this year is sort of what can happen. But the other thing that I went into was the idea of target date funds. Now, target date funds, 
I think they're pretty popular. If anybody opens up, anyone has a 401k, if you open up your 401k and you look at all the choices, chances are there's going to be like 10 or 15 of these, depending upon the plan, that are target date funds. And basically, target date funds are based upon about the year you expect to retire. That's sort of the guidance and how you pick one of these. Which one do you do? So if you're retiring in 2025, you'd have the 2025. Now, one of the things I said in my book was that, you know, a lot of people don't realize that target date funds are making adjustments and are built not only up to the retirement date. So, for example, if you're retiring in 2025, um, and by the way, there's a glide path. And the glide path is the closer in you get to retirement or as you march from the current date to your expected retirement date that you arbitrarily pick, then the more the portfolio goes away from equities and goes into fixed income, i.e. bonds, and short-term fixed income or short-term more cash-like stuff. And then the idea is, though, you sort of crest and, and you reach that retirement date and then the portfolio lives on. So you might say, well, well, if I retire in 2025, or let's say I retired already in 2010, why is there still a 2010 retirement date fund? Well, because it keeps making adjustments past retirement because it's looking at the longevity and having the assets and reducing risk and things like that. Not a lot of people, and I mentioned this book in the book, not a lot of people realize that they keep going on. In fact, the Senate, U.S. Senate had hearings after 2008, 2009 about this. And that's one of the things they said, and I put that in my book, and I cited some of the the Senate testimony. But the thing I I don't think people understood with target date funds, well, there's a couple of things. Uh, Number one is if if you have a high fixed income portion and you say, well, usually bonds are fairly safe. I just told you it's pretty rare what's happening this year. But given where interest rates were, I think, and this is just me, you know, the way I look at things, a lot of times if an individual goes into, let's say, a bank or anywhere really, and you have someone who's just running historical numbers and they're saying, hey, bonds over the long term, average annual return is this. But guess what's in all those historical returns? All those years, when 40 years when interest rates were going down. And so the CFA, and I've mentioned this before, um, CFA society, or, or there's been some research and over you know, 10, 20 year periods, whatever the starting coupon rate is for a, a bond that you hold, typically the average annualized return will wind up being about what the starting coupon was that you held or the starting yield to maturity, I should say, right? Because you could buy a discount bond or a premium bond and ask to come back to par, you know, barring defaults. But one of the things I wrote about too is the idea that there was such a difference in 2008 and 2009 on the returns. And in fact, one of the things I, in a little bit of research that I did, was that many target date funds, they don't all agree on what the right mix of stocks and bonds and all the other stuff is. And at what age you should have the type of investments. 
one of the graphs I put in, this is on page 39 of the book, shameless plug for, plug for the book. Uh, but I said, look, select 2010 target date funds October 07 peak to the March 09 trough. And so this was not 2010. This was close to retirement. And one of the things you see that some of the, the funds I looked at had anywhere from minus 33% down to I think one of them I looked at was almost minus 56% down. And one of the things that came out, this is the U.S. Senate Committee on Aging. They had some hearings. And uh, I, I, if I find it in the bibliography and in the, in the index at the back of the book, I'll try and link to it if it's still around so you can check out the data. But one of the things they saw was that there was such a variation in the range of returns. And in fact, uh, if we look at 2008, um, and I'm quoting from the, uh, the Senate in my book from the, the, the SEC.gov documents, uh, the results range from minus nine loss to negative minus 41% loss at the end of 2008. And so the reason why I bring this up is because there's no set, or at least there wasn't back then, I, uh, what the allocation should be across funds. Now, there were some target date funds that had a lot of mortgage-backed securities. And we know that 07, 08, 09, that sort of period, um, there was a little issue with the housing market and with mortgages, right? So I'm not, I'm not saying that's going to happen now. I'm not making that type of call. But... Uh, the point I'm making for everybody is, I know these seem really easy, and I get it. I get someone who says, I know nothing about the market. I've got to make some choices in this uh, this uh, 401k. And by the way, it's good. People should use 401ks, especially if companies do matches. That's free money for you. And you should at least be contributing. You should contribute a lot because there's tax advantages. But I mean, for God's sakes, please contribute, you know, as the, to get the maximum amount of match from a company because that is, that is a free benefit for you. But I bring this up because, you know, imagine someone who doesn't really know that much about investing and says, all right, well, I'm this age right now. You know, I'm, I'm 40 right now. I think I'm going to retire at 65. I don't really know. So I'm going to pick the uh, go out 25 years in the future, and I'll just pick that target date fund. Or I've heard some people say that their 401k, you know, basically recommends here's, here's the default option on a, on a target date fund. And, but yeah, I mean, the, the, they could be really different depending upon uh, whoever the company is or the firm that's running the, uh, the target date retirement fund. And also I would say, I took a look and I'm not going to tell you what uh, wouldn't be fair to, because uh, I just I, I pulled a couple of these retirement uh, target date retirement funds. And for example, uh, one of the companies here has a mutual fund, uh, a retirement 2025 fund. So where what July of 22. So this would be somebody re retiring in 2025. I don't know if that they mean you know January 1st of 2025, uh, but anyway. So they set up what's called a glide path. A glide path. Think about a plane coming down as it's landing. And, you know, it sort of starts to go down in altitude, go down in altitude, get lower and lower until it finally lands. Uh, 
Well, that glide path is the adjustments that a firm or a manager will make in one of these target date funds, most likely changing from more stocks, i.e. equity, into more bonds. But I took a look at this one, and the one-year return as of June 30th was down about 13.5%. And then I looked and I said, okay, what if somebody was in this? And, and I bring that up because I think, I think the perception would be, and rightly or wrongly for someone in one of these, Hey, wait a second. If I'm retiring a couple of years, I thought this was supposed to, no, I mean, most of these, I, I don't know of one that has any hedges in it, but I would, I would surmise to say most of the traditional target date funds, you know, simply a, a mix of different asset classes, bonds and, and stocks, right? So I bring this up because, you know, down 13 and a half percent. Okay. It's not, 20, it's not 30, it's not 40, it's not like 2008, 2009 type returns. Can you imagine if in 2008 you had a retirement fund, or let's say you're sitting there beginning of 2009 and you look up and you, you lost 50% in a target date retirement fund for the following year. But then I go back and I look, I say, okay, over the last three years, the annualized rate of return was 4.6%. Over five years, about 5.7%. Over 10 years, about 7.9%. Okay. Since inception, uh, this one was, what, 2004, about 6.7%. Okay. So, you know, over the long term, but I think what what I think is kind of important to bring up is that these don't have hedges on them. They don't. And a lot of these, especially very close to retirement, have exposure to, to fixed income or bonds. And in a rising rate environment, in an environment that we see inflation, I just want to make sure that we highlight the risk for these. I know a lot of advisors listen to this podcast. And I think this is a good discussion to have with people to explain what these are, to look at the different holdings. So if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I've got this 401k and this is the fund that I'm in and this is the target date year, it'd be good to, to go and, and take a look at what the portfolio has. The other criti criticism I had of target date funds is that and look, I mean, if somebody's working with a you know, money manager, an advisor, they can try and help look at the, the broad picture and say, you know, maybe they already have stuff in, in one account or other accounts that are outside the 401k and they can get some, some help on, hey, what, what's really the best one to do? Uh, but this, this doesn't really, target date funds don't really take into account anything else that you have. And it really just looks at, at your age. The other thing I'll say is, and I said this in the book, the reality is you're planning for not when you think you're going to retire, but it's a dual plan where, yeah, the data, approximate date you think you're going to retire, but also when you're going to die. <laughs> I mean, because part of the, the idea is post-retirement, you're trying to figure out how long do I need my assets to, to last and provide income and to provide 
And most people, by the way, the good news is life expectancy continues to go up. Um, the bad news is you, you're probably going to need a little bit more growth than you think because people are living longer. That's good. But the assets have to live longer, too. They have to provide income for longer periods of time. So these, these are just some of the things I think um, are, are critical to think about. The final thing, too, is these target date funds really don't take into account how much an asset somebody has. In other words, someone with a good deal of assets who's been fortunate, has been able to save a lot, has a lot in their investment accounts, they may not even need to take the risk of their target date retirement fund. That might be because they already have the money. And why put it at risk? You know, if, if you've got a substantial, substantial sum of money. Uh, the other thing that comes into play too is what about health expenses? What about bringing those things in? And the other side of it is someone who has, you know, doesn't have a lot of assets um, towards retirement. They're going to need more growth. And so they're going to run, run out of money uh, much quicker. And so unfortunately, they do need growth. But these target date funds, they don't take that into account. And I think, you know, these are all questions to get. I think they are well-intentioned. I think they're misunderstood by a lot of folks. And I think this is where people with advisor, advisors can really help um, talk their, uh, their clients through this type of stuff. And, you know, for those that are just investors or um, I would take a look and look at the exposure in some of these funds that you have. And then also think about, the level of assets that you have. So there's a lot more that goes into it than just age. And that's, that's I think, the, the closing thing I'll say. When you're trying to do a one-size-fits-all just purely by age, not by asset level, not by other things that you have, not by you know, life expectancy, not by your certain situation, um, they're really well-intentioned, though. And by the way, I think it's a really good thing that a lot of companies are auto-enrolling people in 401ks. It is really good because the sooner people do that, as all of you know, the more you invest and the younger you do it, the more years, the less you actually have to invest because you get that compounding. So I'm not going to say that the alternative is to not invest in 401ks. And I think for younger workers, where the target date funds do you properly have you know, a lot more equity exposure in there? Look, I mean, it's, it's probably fine. And until you get a, a, a good substantial bit of assets, then maybe you start looking and, and being a little bit more strategic about uh, the types of uh, you know, different funds that you use in there. But anyway, I hope this is helpful. And I think given where bond returns are this year, I'm not, I haven't really heard a lot about people complaining about target date funds like we did in, in the aftermath of the great financial crisis. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. And I don't have a crystal ball in interest rates or inflation. I can tell you that inflation is expected to still be above 8% according to the Cleveland Fed Nowcast uh, for June's numbers, which will come out uh, next week or the week after July. And then still above 8% for July that will come out in August. So 
what does that all mean for interest rates and bonds? Uh, I think this year is showing that given how low interest rates were and still are comparatively, uh, there is interest rate risk in a lot of fixed income. And you just have to understand it. All right, folks, we'll leave it there. Uh, shameless plug, I know, this week for the Broken Pie Chart book. Uh, but uh, if you do pick it up, let me know how you like it. And uh, I think, although I wrote it a few years ago, it really lays out some of the scenarios that are in there. And if you want to get an understanding of how we manage risk in portfolios, go ahead, Derek.Moore at ZegaFinancial.com. Love to hear from you. We can walk you through that. All right, everyone. Have a great week. And 